Okay, today we begin to study the final and 14th book of the Rambam, which begins with the laws of Sanhedrin. There are three mitzvahs we're going to learn about today. Two mitzvot say, two positive mitzvot, and one negative mitzvah. The first mitzvah in the Rambam system works out to be number 176, mitzvah kufayim vav. And this comprises the 313th shear of Limud HaRambam, beginning with the mitzvah lemanois, to appoint judges, shayftim, and shaytrim. It's very interesting that the Rambam does not include this as two separate mitzvahs. He doesn't say there's a mitzvah to appoint shoftim, which are judges, and a mitzvah to appoint shotrim, which are police officers, but rather the Rambam includes that as one mitzvah. So that the rules of the Torah, that the laws of the Torah will actually be carried out. The Rebbe pointed out many times, we find something similar in Rashi also, the Rebbe learns Pshat in Rashi like this also, that the, the mitzvah is not that there should be judges, some academic reality, some uh, ivory tower syndrome, there are judges, and judges give rules and laws. And what happens? What happens? Maybe there's a weak police force. Maybe the rules aren't carried out. That's not our job. Our job is to make the rules. Our job is to establish the, the principles. And whatever else happens, that's another branch of government that's not our responsibility. According to the Torah's view, the shoftim and the shotrim are one and the same. It's not the justice system against law enforcement. Law enforcement is an arm of the justice system. And that is, together, one mitzvah of the Torah, mitzvah 176, which means the Torah's mitzvahs will be properly carried out. Those who turn away from the path of truth will be compelled to follow the path of truth. If they behave criminally, if they behave negligently, if they behave immorally, they will be forced to do the right thing, much like we have a justice system and a police service today. Only today, the justice system and the police services are almost always at loggerheads. They will instruct Yitzavu al-Hatov, v'yazhiru, they will warn the people, minhara, from that which is bad. This also includes, says the Rambam, punishments being meted out. Because unfortunately, in an imperfect world, where you have bad people, without the influence that is exerted, meted out, by the might of the law, the law would not necessarily be followed by everybody. And this is all Kedei Shalayihiya Mitzvot HaTorah Va'azoroteha Mesurim L'Ritzon Kol Adam Ve'Adam So that living a moral life and living a decent life is not an elective. Just as in this country you cannot drive whatever speed you want, you cannot abuse people in any way you want, you cannot do business in any matter you want. There are certain rules that you have to follow. The Torah does not see moral behavior and ethical behavior and, and, and the concern with human rights as separate and as unique. All of this together comprises the laws of the Torah and the judge's job is to ensure that the people do what's right. One of the conditions that has to be met for the fulfillment of mitzvah is that the memunim, that those who are appointed to serve in these positions should be in a layered way. What does that mean? In every large city where there's a significant population, we have to appoint bodies of justice that are comprised of 23 judges. So now we're going to have one judge, maybe three judges. And then you're going to have a group of people 
who are, are, are so unlettered and uneducated that they didn't even hear on the news that so-and-so committed an act of murder and that they're going to serve as the jury. They're going to make a decision with regard to somebody's life or with regard to what's right or wrong. And if you actually think about it, it's absolutely ridiculous. People who have no background in law, do not understand human nature, do not really know the law, how are they supposed to make a reasonable decision? How are they supposed to come to a conclusion whether somebody is guilty or not? From a Torah perspective, you have to have 23 brilliant individuals, extraordinarily learned in Torah, and smart, and wise, and discerning, and have all those other qualities, then, together, hopefully, you're going to be able to come to the truth. These people have to be gathered together, Bishar ha'ir, the Rambam uses this terminology, which is a little bit ancient, and the gate of the city. Most old cities were walled, and the walled cities would have official offices, usually were in the gate at the entrance of the city, <coughs> that was where the Sanhedrin sat. This is what's referred to in the words of our sages, Sanhedri Kitana, the minor Sanhedrin, which is the terminology the Torah uses for a high court. In Yerushalayim, there has to be something called Beth Din HaGadol, to borrow from different uh, terminology, a Supreme Court. It's not really what it translates as, but that's what it will be the equivalent of. And this Supreme Court was comprised not of 23, but of 70 judges, 70 most brilliant minds of the Jewish people were appointed to serve as judges. And then there is one individual who is appointed as a leader of that body, and he is called the Rosh HaYeshiva. Elsewhere, the Rambam refers to him also as the Nasi, the prince or the president. Everybody has to be then gathered into one place. In a place where there is a, a significant population, as we said, you have a Sanhedrin Tana, a body of 23 justices. What if you don't have a significant population? There's no way to pay salaries of 23 judges and there isn't enough action to justify a court like that. And at the very least, in any place where Jewish people live, there has to be at least three judges or three people designated to be judges, even if they don't sit in judgment every single day, even if they have to have another job, they teach in a local high school or they have to be involved in, in some other uh, task, if somebody writes a Sefer Torah, but they have to be ready that at any time when Jewish people have a question, there should be a, a judge, a, a bethdin, a group of judges that will be able to adjudicate disputes and administer law. What happens if the smaller court doesn't know the answer? Then they pass it on to a larger court. So you go to the district court. The district court would be uh, 23 judges. The small little municipalities would send the people to the district court. What happens if the district court doesn't know the answer? Then they would send them to Yerushalayim much like the secular system functions today, which is actually fashioned after the system of the Torah. The Rambam says, along with these judges, there has to be a police force, a police service. You have to then appoint a law enforcement body whose job is to investigate and to constantly ensure that everybody is behaving and comporting themselves in accordance with the law. And that's an order, Shalayasa Avel, that they shouldn't do things immorally, they shouldn't do things in a way which is inappropriate, or illegal, or unethical, even if it's just in a small way. We don't say, let's police the big things. All things have to be properly policed, and all things have to be conducted according to the affairs of the law. All of this, says the Rambam, is included in the biblical dictate that is found in the 16th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Dvarim Tezayin, it says, the beginning of Parshat Shoftim, Shoftim, Veshotrim, Titein, Lecha. You will have these judges, 
and these officers, and you will place them in all of your gates, which is a euphemistic reference to all of your cities and provinces. In the language <coughs> of the Sifri, in the beginning of Parsha Shoftim, it says, Minayin, from whence do I know? How do we know that it's supposed to be? Excuse me. A common court that serves as the supreme agency of law adjudication and of, of uh, the resolution of all disputes. It says, Shoftim v'shotim titen l'cha. Singular. It doesn't say l'chem. It says l'cha. So in that case, how do you know that that has to be one court that's emphasized? Emphasis is l'cha. But at the same time, you have to have also l'cha shevet v'shevet. Every tribe, every territory and province has to have a judge. How do you know? It says b'chol sharecha on all of your gates. Rabbi Shimon Begum Leal adds, L'shvatecha v'shoftu. It says l'shvatecha, the word says, for your tribes, and then it says v'shoftu, which means that it is appropriate and proper for every single tribe to self-govern itself, as it says v'shoftu asa'am, and then, if that's not sufficient, then you have to go to the higher court, to the highest authority. This is also referred to in the Torah, in the story with Moshe Rabbeinu, in the book of Numbers, in Sefer Bamidbar, in chapter 11, it says, Esfali shivim ish. Moshe Rabbeinu is told to gather together a group of 70 people, and Moshe Rabbeinu is, of course, their leader. As it says in Parshas Baleischa, our sages said, Kol makim shenem li. It says, Esfali, everywhere it says, Li, harahu kayim la'olam. Our sages tell us, and this is something which is not a temporary mitzvah, but rather a permanent mitzvah. As it says with regard to the Kohanim, Vachihanuli. You'll appoint your brother Aaron and his sons, Vachihanuli, they will be Kohanim to me. You see, a person could say, Well, that was a story with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu also had silver trumpets. And Moshe Rabbeinu also had the Jewish people marching in formation. And they also had a Mishkan. They had all kinds of things that were only effective and applicable during the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. So how do we know that when it says that Moshe Rabbeinu should gather together 70 elders, that this actually is the marching orders for the Jewish people, that this is a template for Jewish justice of how Jewish people are supposed to live over the ages? Says the Rambam, because it says Li. And Kol Makam Shnemer Li is something that's eternally relevant. Kiloimar, now till now, is the, the Rambam is quoting the Sifri. Here the Rambam adds an original interpretation. Kiloimar, in other words, Shazet Sivoy Tmidi that this is an ongoing instruction, an ongoing command of the Torah, and it is not Lefisha, it's not something temporary. Elachova, it is an obligatory necessity for the Jewish people, Lemeshach Hadorot, for future unfolding of generations. The Rebbe once pointed out that uh, when, he, when he taught this particular mitzvah, he said, it's possible to say, to understand the Medrash, it says Li, Li means that this will be. It's like God is telling us it's going to be. As for Li, it says the word Li, it's going to be that way forever. But it doesn't mean that it's a command to us. The Rambam understands the Medrash not just speaking about what we call in the language of, of scholarly language, but the Cheftza, not just speaking about the ages of the mitzvah, about the, the actual object of the mitzvah, but rather that it's an instruction to the Gavra, to the Cheftza, to the subject. God is telling you. You as a Jew have an obligation to continue to do what Moshe Rabbeinu did, as fully gather together these 70 elders. That's what we refer to as the Sanhedrin Agdola, the great Supreme Court of the Jewish people.
The Rambam adds now, you should know that all of this is only fully applicable in the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael. And it is noteworthy that these people were really the equivalent of what we refer to today as a parliament or as lawmakers. The truth is that there is no such thing as lawmakers. People don't decide laws. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides the laws. God gave us His law. We don't believe that we could democratically decide that Shabbos should be on Wednesday or that uh, certain things which are considered profane are now to be considered sacred. What's yesterday kosher, tomorrow is not kosher, and vice versa. This is from God. So then what's our job? Our job is to ensure that there are people who understand the Torah and who know how to take the Torah's laws in whatever language they're couched in and know how to apply it in today's day and age. That job is not given to politicians. That job is not given to people who are popular or know how to sway other people's minds. That job is given to people who have full integrity and full sincerity and understanding of the Torah. That is something called smicha, referred to as ordination. In order to be at this level, you have to be ordained by somebody who was ordained by somebody who was ordained by somebody, going back to Moses, that a, a, a master of Torah says, this person, he's worthy. I can, I, can, I can rely on him. We can depend on him. We can lean on him, which was literally what the Hebrew word smicha means. They would, they would place their hands on the individual and they would lean on him, so to speak, with a metaphor, conveying this metaphor that Jewish people the welfare of Am Yisrael now relies, now, now can lean on this person. That's real smicha. We don't have real smicha today. Real smicha, real ordination to serve as a judge, to serve as a dayan, is only in Eretz Yisrael. Now, if a judge was ordained in Eretz Yisrael and he's living outside of Eretz Yisrael, he may serve as a dayan, he may serve as a judge, and he may fully do all of these laws of the Torah. As it says in the Gemara in Makot, Sanhedrin noheget be'eretz u'bechutzalaharetz. There could be a possibility of the Sanhedrin, sages ordained in the Holy Land, who have migrated from the Holy Land and now sitting outside the Holy Land and they still have a din of Sanhedrin. However, you cannot be ordained outside of Eretz Yisrael. Ordination can only take place within the borders of biblical Israel. The Rambam says further, that any time we talk about criminal law, Criminal law means that there is a life and death that always comes into play. Because according to the Torah, there's something called the capital punishment. That's only possible, not only when they were in Eretz Yisrael, not only when we have smuchim, people who have been ordained, but only when there is a Beit HaBechira, this God's chosen home, which is how the Rambam references the Beit HaMikdash, as we explained many, many classes ago. The language of the Sifri about all of this is nefesh bishgoga. It says lachem, It will be for you mishpat for an eternal statute of justice l'dorotechem for your generations b'chol So the the, the, the Sifri says about this b'chol moshvotechem that the words that are found in the thirty-fifth chapter of Bamidbar in all of your dwellings That can be in Israel. That can be outside outside of Israel. That's true. The Sanhedrin could function outside of Israel, provided that we have a base on Migdash, provided that those individuals were ordained in the Holy Land of Israel. The Sifri says you might think that you can also establish cities of refuge, what's called Ure Miklot. The Rambam says no. The Pasuk comes to teach you Ele. That means the Dayanim, the judges, can be in Israel and outside of Israel. But Ure Miklot, the cities of refuge, can only be in the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael. This mitzvah is explained at extraordinary length and detail in a Mesechet with the natural name of Sanhedrin. From here we move on to a negative mitzvah. It is prohibited, says the Rambam, as the 284th mitzvah of the Torah, 
for Bezdin Hagodol to appoint somebody who is not an expert in the wisdom of Torah. And he will be appointed for other virtues or qualities. The Torah says you're not allowed to do that. In fact, we do not look, when it comes to Torah appointments, we do not look for charisma, we do not look for, for, for eloquence, we do not look for wisdom that is not rooted in the Torah. All these things are, 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 are moot, all these things are irrelevant. The only thing we're interested in when it comes to judges who adjudicate how a Jew should live is the person's proficiency in Chachmata Torah, his knowledge of Hashem's Torah. That's what's important, that's what we need. And how he behaves in this, in this, within that framework. This warning of the Torah is very, very explicit, very, very clear when the Torah says, Lo takiru panim, do not show favoritism, which means, Lo takiru panim b'mishpat means, referring to that means to the person who's supposed to appoint the judges. So if you are the king of Israel and you have an obligation to appoint judges, don't show favoritism. Oh, this guy's my friend. I'm going to make him a judge. Yeah, but he's not capable. So what? He's going to be a judge because he has this virtue or that virtue because he's my nephew or because he's my cousin. Anything like that would be a violation of los akiropanim. By the way, the word nepotism comes from the Italian word for nephew, nipo, because many of the popes appointed their nephews. They officially didn't have any children, couldn't get married. So they appointed their nephews to positions of prominence within that system, and that's where the terminology of nepotism comes from. Nepotism is absolutely forbidden when it comes to Torah appointments. When it comes to a Torah appointment, the question is, can this person do the job as the Torah says he could do the job? The rest is absolutely irrelevant. That's the meaning of Lotakir Oponim, and doing that would be a violation of this mitzvah. Shema Tomer says the Rambam, Ish no, this guy is so handsome. He's such a wonderful presentation. He's so charismatic. I'll make him a judge. Ish Gibar, this person's got conviction. He's got strength. He's a good leader. I'm going to make him a judge. This one's my relative. I'll make him a judge. This one has given me a loan. This one gave me a free cell phone. I don't know, whatever it is. I'm going to make him a judge. No such thing. This person speaks all the languages. And he's a great academic. And he's respected far and wide in secular circles or in, 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 in other, from other societies. Irrelevant for us. Why? What's so bad about that? Because then that person will render judgment. And in that judgment, he'll be mezakeh et achayev, the person who is supposed to be obligated according to the Torah. He'll say, oh, he can walk. Yeah, but the Torah says he can walk. Oh, really? I don't know that. How should he know? He's not an expert in those laws. Or he'll be mechayev, he'll obligate et hazakai. Not because he's a rasha. Not because he's a wicked, evil person and he wants to hurt somebody. He means well. He's very sincere. He's full of integrity. He's just an ignoramus. He doesn't know the laws of the Torah. But this it says, Lo takirupanim, <coughs> excuse me, not permitted to show any favoritism. The Rambam writes in Mishnah Torah about this mitzvah, This is the most pleasant, the most wonderful, fantastic person. He has all sorts of wonderful virtues. It's very nice. But if you appoint him as a judge, you violate this mitzvah. The last mitzvah is, Mitzvah Kufa in Hey, positive mitzvah number 175. Because now we have these 23 judges. And of course, these 23 judges are not only Jewish, but very learned, and they certainly cannot agree. So how, how are we going to render judgment? Who should we follow? So the mitzvah is, we follow majority. If there becomes an argument, a dispute amongst the sages, all of whom are sincere, all of whom are learned, all of whom are God-fearing, all of whom fit the bill, they're all good. 
and they're all arguing with the full force, this is what Hashem wants. They're absolutely convinced in the integrity of the position that they take. So what do we do then? What, is, what does Hashem want? Hashem sends his Torah, then we follow the rov, then we follow the majority. That's the way it is with regard in general to interpretation of Jewish law in a way that's binding upon all the Jewish people. That's the way it is with regard to a resolution of a dispute between two individuals. So whether it's a din, says the Rambam, a dispute between Reuven and Shimon, or whether it's a much wider machloket that includes many people, the Torah says, Acharei Rabim Lahatot. You follow always the majority. And we learn in the Gemara in Chulun, on page 11, tells us, Ruba, the halacha of majority, the oraita, is biblically ordained. And there it's explained, these, uh, the details of this halacha, and most of these halachas, and most of the explanation of this mitzvah, are once again found in Mesechet Sanhedrin. As a point of interest, when the Beit Yosef wrote the Shulchan Aruch, when he wrote the Code of Jewish Law, he used the three codifiers, Rambam, Alphas, the Rif, and the Rosh. Rabbeinu Asher, Rabbeinu Alphas, and the Rambam, each of them wrote codes. And he usually opted to follow, if there was a dispute of two against one, he usually followed the Rov. He followed the majority. And so it is today, we have an issue. There can be a number of rabbis who are arguing about something. So we'll say we follow the majority of Poskim, the majority of rabbis who issue rulings in halacha, we'll say a certain way, we follow the Rov. It's very important for us to understand that that is a nice idea, but it's not biblically binding. The biblically binding concept of rov is only when all of the individuals who have these opinions are seated in the same room in the form of a Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin Tana, Sanhedrin Dola. That's where rov is biblical. Otherwise, it's a formula. It's a Torah-inspired formula, but it is not an actual mitzvah. The only time this mitzvah is an actual mitzvah is when you're in that court system, as we explained. And that concludes the 313th shir of Limit Rambam.